So we're in the series talking about the Word of God, how important the Word of God is. How, 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 how important the Word of God is. We need to be in the Word daily. And, and the thing about it is, uh, I, I believe that we need to read the Bible uh, through, throughout through the year. There's all kinds of things that will help you. And because when you get to John beget Willie and Willie beget Toby Joe, that's just hard to read, you know? But if you mix the New Testament and Old Testament, it just kind of makes that flow a little bit easier. Are you with me now? But, but specifically, guys, we need to get into the Word and just read a Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit what this means. Dig out a promise. Dig out a promise. And now I can't see anybody, but it's okay. We dig out the promise, and, and we try to find out what this means, and that's the Holy Spirit. And this, not John 3, 16, what does this mean? Do you know the Bible has levels and layers like an onion? It just keeps going and going and going. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you about certain things that will just bring revelation to you. And that's why we've got to get in the Word. And the other thing about staying in the Word is that you hear the Holy Spirit. Once you start hearing the Holy Spirit, what does this mean? And then you got what we called a rhema last week. Logos is just reading. Mary had a little lamb. But the rhema is Mary's little lamb was Jesus. And now we got, so you know, David killed Goliath. Yeah. It wasn't a stone. It was his faith in God. That's what the rhema, the word of God should come, comes alive to you. And then you realize, you know what? I can take a stone and kill the devil. I can knock his feet out from underneath him. You know, because I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but if you haven't noticed, you're in a battle. And the word of God is your weapon. And if you're not in the word, then you're, you're you, uh, we, when we was deer hunting, somebody said a gun don't even make a good club. It's just hard to swing. And if you don't have any bullets in your gun, you, you're, why carry it? You have to load up yourself with the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the, it's the tip of the lance where you tell the devil, get out. Instead, oh, why this is happening to me? And he just keeps hitting you till you get some word or somebody to pray for you and get the devil off it. But you need to know how to handle him yourself. Well, I don't know if all that devil stuff. Well, then if there's Jesus and God, there's a devil. Come on. And so, so, so let's look. You know, the, the word of God, we need it every day. That's our title today. It's a library of 66 different books, 46 authors. 1,500 years it took to write the Bible, three continents, three languages, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. It's the inspired Word of God. And, and you know, Jesus fulfilled prophecy after prophecy. Where he, you know, but you said, well, Jesus knew the Word. That's why he could fulfill the prophecy. He went to Nazareth. He stayed. Uh, he didn't fulfill where he was born. He didn't have control over that. And, and I'm just going to just throw this out there. In, in Psalms 22, it said that they gambled for his garments. Those boys were Romans. They didn't read Psalms 22. Jesus may have. They pierced his hands and his feet. It talks about him being crucified and that they gambled for his clothes. Fulfilled prophecy. It's cross-referenced all through the Bible. So let's, let's go over our... our uh, Foundation scriptures in Psalms 138, 2, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth, for you have magnified your word above your name. 
God has many names, and they mean something, like Jehovah Nisi, our banner, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Jehovah Shalom, our peace, El Shaddai, whatever is God's name, but his word is so strong. He's magnified his word above his name, and this is where people that, well, God's in control. Well, I want to tell you something. God doesn't go past his word. He keeps his own word. And sometimes we pray and ask God to just kind of cheat a little bit here for me, Lord, help me out. And when he said, no, you need to believe. You need to trust. Well, I can't trust. I'm worrying too much. Ah, control. We talked a little bit about that last Sunday. We got to give him control. We have to turn some things over. And, and in Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. Reproof is a rebuke. We don't want to hear that one. For correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have to be in the Word to get equipped. We have to get into the Word to know how do we respond. We're, you know, oh, and you're all quiet today, but we respond by love. Always. You know you want. Mm, okay. You have to learn to control your flesh. That's what the Bible teaches. The Bible gives us examples and gives us answers. And when you're in the Word, the Holy Spirit goes, you know, you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, but I want to. And then you have to repent. As what, what one, one preacher said, just let me slap them so fast, God, only me and you will know. They'll think lightning hit them. But that's not the way we're supposed to be. But I want you to look at that scripture. It's so important that all scripture given inspiration is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction. And there's teaching out there that God will make you sick to teach you something. And that is not true. He said, I give you my word. And the word of God is given to correct us, to help us. And if we're going down the wrong path, we got to stop. It's called repentance. Changing my mind. I'm going to change not only my mind, I'm going to change my direction. I'm going to quit acting like that. Well, that's the way we was raised. That don't have nothing to do with it. You got a new father. You're in a new family. And blood is thicker than water. No, you know, people take that and say that we're blood kin. No, no, no. The blood of Jesus is thicker than the womb water you were born in. Amen. And so we're in a new family, and we got to start acting like it. We got to act like we're in the family of God. We got to live like we're in the family of God. We got to love like we're in the family of God. We got to walk in peace like we're in the family of God. We got to have the joy of the Lord. It's our strength. That's family. Hey, that's, that's our family. So change. I know it's hard, but you can change, and God will help you. He doesn't say, you just change on your own. He goes, no, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to help you. He's your helper. He's your advocate. He's going to, counselor, don't do that. Okay? Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by, let me get it right. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. If you put the word in you, you're not going to pass away either. You ever think about it like that? <clears throat> That's a rhema God gave me a long time ago. I'm put the word in me. I'm going to live forever. 
And that's what the Word says. And it's what we'll talk a little bit about that today. Because who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. I'm in Him and He's in me. And I'm going to live forever. Come on. And so we've, we've got to, you know, that's one of the things you've got to get settled. Because if you're not sure you're saved, the devil's going to box your head all the time. You'll wake up in the middle of the night, oh, Lord, forgive me, help me, help me, help me. Settle it. I'm a believer. I believe. I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me. You've got to say that to yourself and get that in you till you can't be moved. Cannot be moved. Uh, statistics. I got some of this today, but here's first starting off. If you read the Bible four days a week, you know, uh, a guy I know, and he's, he's in ministry and pretty much a prophet, and he's from Louisiana, but he said, give yourself the Sabbath. Take a rest. Do it six days a week. Read the Word six days a week. That means you may have to double up if you own that plan, you know, doing a yearly plan. That's cool. But if you read it four days a week, 57% of people quit getting drunk. Sex outside of the marriage dropped 68%. Pornography, 61%. It's lower. Gambling, 74%. Now, all those things have a hook. Sin is sin. You steal a pencil, it's just like stealing $1,000. Sin is sin, but certain sins have a hook. Sexual sins, gambling will hook you. Uh, we got on the elevator one time in, in Las Vegas. We were out there for school, and a dealer got on there, and God beside me said, tell us a story. And it was about nine people on there, and, you know, our group, we weren't gambling. We were in school, and... Uh, he goes, he was up $40,000 last night, and the people besides went, woo. He goes, nope, it's a sickness. He lost it all. Up and down in less than 12 hours. It's a sickness. It's got a hook. And so certain sins have consequences. With me? So avoid them. And so, so we have got to get into the Word. So look at your notes. Number one, the Word is our daily bread. And we're going to talk about it being bread today. You know, uh, if you like me, I love bread, but uh, and, and God's given us bread, the bread of life. The bread is Jesus. And, and you know, it's talking about, we're going to talk about eating spiritually and eating physically. And uh, anybody fasting today, wave at me. Nobody's fasting today. So y'all going to eat lunch. Everybody in the room's going to eat something for lunch. I got a crock pot going. And so we're going to eat something, but you know what? You need to be eating spiritually every day. I'm trying to hammer this, that we have to be in the Word every day spiritually. And if you don't want to, can't read through it for the whole year, then take one scripture. Take a promise. Go and get that book that's in the back out there about the promises of God at the Connect Center and just take one scripture, whatever it might be, and put it in your heart. Because you're going to need it. As we see the day approach, we're going to need it. So, so, so uh, I, I'm going to read real quick in Exodus 16, 4. And then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. And so this bread, is gonna, it's, it's physical bread, it's manna. It's going to turn to spiritual bread as we get to the New Testament. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my word or not. 
And I know it says law, but it's talking about the word of God. Will they walk? Because God's word is his law. And so we have got to understand that we need to be a partaker of the word of God every day. You're going to eat every day. Your flesh is going to make sure of it. But how many times your spirit thought, man, we're hungry. You need to put on somebody preaching. You need to listen to the word of God. You need to get in a scripture. And you can mutter. We talked about meditating, mutter a scripture. Acts 10, 38. I've already quoted. I quoted a lot. Jesus himself went about doing good and healing all who were pressed of the devil for God was with him. Somebody said, well, how do you get all them scriptures in you? Because I meditate them, meditate them, meditate them. I used to drive down the road. I made a tape of myself saying the scripture, and I put it on a cassette. You know, cassette, y'all, was a little bitty white thing, and it had to, <laughs> you stick it in the car. It was like a, an 8-track. Now, you, I couldn't do a recording on 8-track, but anyway. And so as we look at the bread, in Matthew 6, 11, Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread. It's in the Lord's Prayer, right? Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day. What do you want me to study today, Lord? What do you want me to meditate on? What scriptures do you want me to hold in my heart? Hmm? And you know what? One will pop up to you during the day. Then start meditating. Take a hold of it. You think that, that scriptures just bounce in your head because? The Holy Spirit's trying to put something in you. The Holy Spirit's trying to remind you of something. And if you'll really listen when stress comes or worry comes or fret comes, he'll give you something to answer that. He'll give you an answer for that. You know, when, when you have teenagers and all of them are driving, every time you hear a siren, you go, oh, Lord. But I learned to combat that. Nope, Lord, in the name of Jesus, if that's mine, I don't care about the vehicle, but my children will be fine in the name of Jesus. You, you got to get aggressive when fear comes. You got to get aggressive when worry comes. You got to get aggressive when all these things attack your mind. You need to take the word of God. And so the word says that he'll protect us. I mean, I prayed Psalms 91 over my children their whole life. And whatever they do, and even when they out, they, they can get out from underneath the umbrella of God, but God's going to protect them and wake them up in the name of Jesus. And if you haven't memorized Psalms 91, there's the challenge. Well, I can't. I just have a hard time remembering. Happy birthday to you. You remember that. Especially if you're five, you're expecting to get something. But you ought to expect to receive something from the Word of God, and that therefore you put it in your heart. I dwell in the secret place of the Most High God and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And I say of the Lord, He's my God, my fortress, and Him do I trust. That's Psalms 91. And put it in your mouth, put it in your heart. How about Psalms 103, 1 through 5? We say it every Sunday. I challenge the youth to come up with a scripture to say, and I said, I'll reward you. And one of them said, I got Psalms 103, 1 through 5. I said, I'll let you have that one. Praise the Lord, O my soul. That means bless his name. That means worship him on purpose. When your mind, see, we sang about it. When your mind is going crazy with worry and fear, you need to worship. Just the opposite of what you're feeling. You know, the Bible's full of a lot of options. If you give up your life, he will give you life. You ever thought about, I give up, I, wait a minute, I like what I'm doing. No, you give your life to him, he will give you a better life. It doesn't mean you even change jobs. It just means you look at it differently. 
Your attitude changes. Your life changes. So give us this day our daily bread. What are we eating? Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who loads, who daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits. So daily going and getting that word is going to bring benefits to your life. You ever thought about him loading you? Has he, has he loaded you with any benefits this week? So, I laid this challenge out three or four years ago, maybe maybe longer, but when you get up in the morning, how about getting in the Word instead of on Facebook? Instead of worshiping that, because it looks like worship, it looks like I'm praying, let's do this, let's get a scripture, let's, get, let's read the Word, and then you can do Facebook all you want until you lose your job, and then you'll have to get in faith again. No, don't do that. Just get into the Word first. Put God first. We put God first with everything. I'm just going to go there. Don't put your kids first. Don't put your children first. God's first. When you put your children first, they're a target now for the devil. And if he can knock them out, he's going to knock you out. God's first. The devil can't touch God. God's your foundation. God's your source, the Word of God. And so my, my question is, can you commit to the first thing? For, can you do it for 30 days? Come on, if you can do it for 30 days, it becomes a habit. I'm on money back guaranteed, okay? 30 days. Try it for 30 days. I'm just trying to help you all. So, 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 so let me answer, answer a question real quick because he was asking, what, what translation of the Bible you use? King James is good, but these and thous and those and... Tisn'ts and all that, we don't use that language. So New King James is a good translation. It's word for word. Uh, NASB, New American Standard Bible is a good, good translation. It's word for word. Uh, English Standard Version is word for word. And then you have several that are dynamic equivalency translation or phrases. And, and there's where you kind of get a little, they kind of get a little bit Mm, you got to back it up. You got to go look at the King James or look at the New King James or look at one of these there. And that's the NLV, the EV, the NIV, the message, all that. And you can get good things from them, uh, the Lord will speak to you, but you need to go back and make sure that's exactly what it's saying. Okay? So dig it out. And they even leave some scriptures out, which is like, ugh. I don't know about that. So, so you know, the Living Bible's in there and all that. So read what you think is easy for you. Uh, NASB is a pretty good read, uh, but get into the Word. I know some people say I can't understand King James, but I'm going to tell you, I, I got a King James Bible right here, and I read it, but I don't do thee and thou anymore. I read it, read it so much, I'm going you and me, and, and I, I translate it in my head. And that's the Holy Spirit helping me, because thou don't know us, everything is, and I just can't understand this, that and uh, anyway, so let's dig because we're going to preach a little bit here in a minute. Number two, sustaining bread. Jesus is our sustaining bread. He sustains us. The Word of God will keep you. It's your foundation. It, it will keep you in life. And that's why you have got to be in the Word. And so uh, Matthew 4, 3 says, Now when the tempter came to Jesus, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. 
to where they got the manna and, and he's showing that the manna came from heaven, but Jesus is the true word. Jesus is the, the true manna. The Old Testament is types and shadows, y'all, of Jesus. You see Jesus in everything. Joshua is, a, is like Jesus. Moses is like Jesus. Uh, uh, all these Old Testament saints, they're showing Jesus. They're deliverers. They're helpers. David was like Jesus, deliverer, a conqueror. Jesus is coming back as a conqueror, and we're coming back with him. Don't be afraid of him coming, to, coming after you. He'd already got you if he was coming after you. But you're in the family now. One of my favorite types of shadows or examples is when Moses came in and he had the staff and he threw it before Pharaoh and, and it became a snake. And Pharaoh called his magicians and they came with hypnotized snakes and threw their snakes down on the ground and they're slithering around and Moses' snake ate Pharaoh's snakes. And then he grabbed it by the tail. How many of you know you don't grab a snake by the tail unless you really know what you're doing? Because it'll turn around and bite you. And most of y'all ain't touching one anyway, right? <laughs> he grabbed it by the tail and it became a staff. It represents Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin that he might destroy the works of the devil. He destroyed the works of the devil. That was the works of the devil. And that's Jesus. Another one is as is, is the snakes were biting the children of Israel because they were in disobedience. They were griping and complaining. They were murmuring. And, and snakes came and were biting and several of them were dying. And Moses beat out a tin or a bronze serpent and they put it on the pole. You'll see it on the doctor's office today. Going around that pole, you'll see doctor's office and they have that snake because it, it represents healing and lift up the suffering symbol and look at it you can look at jesus on the cross it's hard anybody ever watch the the passion where he's getting whipped and you just can't look anymore or you see him on the cross and it's just a mess and you can't look anymore that's for you he suffered you he suffered for you he went to the cross for you he went to hell for you he took not only your sins, your sickness, but he took your punishment. Well, think about that. He took our punishment. Well, Jesus died for my sins. Oh, he also took your punishment. And so, so you, they lifted up that. That represents Jesus being lifted on a cross. And you look at the cross today and you see your healing. You see your salvation. You see your deliverer. Amen? There's all kinds of types and shadows. Why we, we dig out the word and the word backs itself up. I've said that. And, and you look and back the word up, back the word up. You can't take one scripture and, and build a doctrine on it. You know, it's like the old boy, he said, hey, all right, Lord, help me. And he did like this. And he read it, and it was pretty good. And so the next day he goes, I'm going to do the same thing. Lord, whatever you show me, I want to do. And he, Jesus went out and hanged himself. He got, we're not just flinging up, you know, trying to pick out a scripture. We want to go after a scripture and put it in our heart on purpose. We want to know what we know, and we want to know the promises. We want to know the truth. And you can't build a doctrine on Judas went out and hanged himself. But people try. So, we need to remember that we're in a battle. I started off with that. Put the word in your heart. Somebody said it like this. You put the word in you when you don't need it, so when you do need it, it'll be there. How many of you know inflation's kind of getting crazy? What are we going to do? 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 I don't know what we're going to do. I know what we're going to do. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
there's an answer for every problem you've got in life. It's in the Word of God. Wait a minute, the Lord's going to take care of us. <laughs> You're like 12 years old, I'm starving to death. Well, you just ate 30 minutes ago, yeah, but I'm hungry. I mean, you, you, you know what? Jesus went days without eating. But you know what? They walked too everywhere they went. You ever thought about, well, I don't want to have to walk, Lord. We're being Walmart, run out of toilet paper. We're being persecuted. What we consider persecution is nothing to what people in China or people in Iraq are going through that are believers. Come on. You are well able to overcome persecution. And so let, let's be, let's be. We overcome by faith in the Word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't get anything else, and there's a couple other things I'm going to say if you don't get anything else. Faith comes by hearing the Word. And you overcome by faith in the Word of God. And when you get faith in the Word of God, when you start growing, the Holy Spirit gives you faith. And the Holy Spirit will help you. And the Holy Spirit will stand beside you. And He'll go in the battle with you. And He'll take a stand. We got it. We got it. We got it. Jesus paid for this. Jesus is going, you shall not want. Somebody, another translation, you shall not want, or how about lack any good thing? Mm-hmm. So remember last Sunday we talked about Isaiah 55, one of my favorite passages, the whole chapter. And we talked about how the rain comes down, but how God sent his word down. And God said, my word will not return void, but it will accomplish what I sent it to do. God has sent his word, and it's supposed to accomplish in you what it needs to do. Amen? All right, so, so this is Isaiah 55, verse 2. Why do you spend money for that which is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. What in the world does that mean? Why do you spend money for, not, for, for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. The abundance comes from God. You can't buy peace. You can't buy joy. You think you can buy happiness, but it's fleeting. But how about spending money on something that is not even God close? And I'm going to pick on some people. Don't be offended. You may walk out on me. I've had it happen before. But there's so much in this life, especially in America, that's a distraction. And I'm not saying you can't go to a ball game, and I'm not saying you can't play a video game. But if you can do six hours to a video game and can't give God five minutes, come on. And if you can go to a ball game and try to get, I, I want to sit up front, and you want to pay the extra $1,000, and you can sit in the back and come in late to church. I know I'm going to preach this away. Okay. But seriously, what is your priorities? Is God a priority? Is God or is the distraction a priority? I love to fish. I love to hunt. I love to hike. I love to eat. But it all can be a distraction. You know, you got your mindset. I'm going to go to my favorite restaurant. And they got that chocolate covered ice cream. Jared's, y'all. And they're out. My day's run. My day's it's over. I'm depressed now. Y'all got any antidepressants? They didn't have any chocolate covered cherries. 
You see what I'm saying? You spend money for things that don't satisfy. And there's nothing wrong. We're an entertainment country. But I'm saying priorities, 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 priorities. And it's not you getting to do something. It's you getting to do something for him. And you worship him no matter where you're at. You put his word first no matter where you're at. And God said (coughs) he'll give you those things. He said he would bless you. He would show you favor. But my point is, priority is to put God first. Job 23, 12. Got to be careful reading Job because everybody in there had to repent. And I've heard people preach, and I'm like, wait a minute, what he said? You can't preach that because he had to repent of it at the end. He wasn't right. He was religious. There's a difference between being right with God and being religious. And that book's got some religion in it. You know you did something wrong while all this is happening to you, Job. Mm-hmm. Y'all ever been, ever been, you've been told that? That's religion, not Jesus. Jesus said, I don't care what happened. I'm going to take you out of it. Huh? Job 23, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Are you hungry for God like that? Oh, you bless God, we got to eat at 5 o'clock, woman, or I ain't going to, you know, something's going to happen around here. You're living by your flesh. But we have got to get control of our flesh and put the Word of God as important as eating. Hmm? The Word has to be first. All right, number three, we're going to dig in the true bread. The true bread. Jesus is our true bread. In John Uh, The book of John's why if you're a new believer or if you've been saved for 100 years, you need to go back and read John. John is just full of some stuff, but it's a great place to start. But 23 times does John talk about the truth. Jesus being the truth, knowing the truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. That's what Jesus said. He's the truth. So he's our true bread. And Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Y'all with me on this? The true bread, Jesus, and the words that I speak. So, so Jesus taught this too in John 6, 31. It says, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it was written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives his life to the world. Talking about himself, isn't he? Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me, he shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that I, I, but I said to you that you have seen me and you do not believe. Now, we're going to drop down in verse 49. It says, your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Isn't that good? I've eaten some of that. Have you? And one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
and the bread that I shall give in my flesh is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. When we take communion, the bread and the cup, Jesus, this is my body, which was broken for you. He's the bread, the true bread. So, John also said this, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So, you have the God, you got to balance the spirit with the truth. One without the other, you get off. If you just go for truth, then you won't care why you're going to hell because you don't see how you. That's, that's, that, the letter of the law killeth. But with the Spirit, you bring the love of God. Hey, let me show you a better way. Let's show you a better way. And the love of God will consume you and you'll have compassion for the person that you should want to hate. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free in John 8, 32. Now, hear me. It matters what you hear. It matters what you read. It matters who you hang out with. It matters. We got to hang out with you. I know some of y'all work with people, and you have to be in their proximity, and I know. But you know what? You can believe God that you're having to deal with this person, and God will help you. But I want to give you a statistic. 11 companies, 58,000 hours. Pretty good uh, test, didn't they? 11 companies and 58,000 hours. If you sit within 25 feet of a top performer, 25 feet. If I sit within 25 feet of him, he's a top performer. It increases me 15%. If I'm making $100,000, just because I'm sitting 25 feet of him, I'm going to make $115,000. That's crazy. I didn't study anymore. I'm just around a top performer who is speaking life, who is going getting it, who's matters who you hang out with. Well, how about 25 feet from a goofball? I'm trying to be nice. I ain't no. A poor performer. 25 feet from a poor performer, it drops you 30%. Instead of 100, you're making 70. Because all they're doing is, I can't stand this place. I ain't working here. I don't, I hate this boss. I hate, take this job and, okay. Johnny Paycheck, in case you want to know, back in 1970-something. but Negativity drops you 30%. This is the world statistics, not, not the Bible. The Bible teaches the same thing. It's already in Proverbs. It matters what you hear. It matters what you say. It matters who you're around. They make you better or they make you worse. So some of y'all need to drop some of your friends. And you can't drop family members, but you don't have to hang out with them. Hmm? Don't quit it. Quit it. You're on TV. And so, but hear me. You can't let that in. 
You can't let that in. You wonder why your life's going to pot. It's because you're hanging around with the wrong people. You're not in the Word. And you don't want to stay in the he begat Willie and he begat Billy. And he, you don't know. You need to get in there where you get some good meat. And there's some meat in that because it shows you that God is in the detail. That God knows. He knows who your mama is, good, bad, ugly. He knows who your daddy is. He knows who your brothers are. And he knows that you think you're the black sheep of the family, but he wants to change you. Don't take pride in that you're the black sheep of the family. Well, I'm the black sheep and nobody likes me. Well, how about changing? The Word of God wants to change us. So let's talk about complaining just for a minute since I brought it up. Now, here's the second thing. Don't forget this. I'm going to try to read how I got it written here. Complaining is not reasonable. Not reasonable. The only way you can legalize or justify complaining is when you remove the promise of God and the presence of God out of the equation or the situation. And maybe you have never been taught the Word of God and don't know the promises of God and don't even know how to operate, but once you find out, you need to change. Because the only way people can justify complaining and griping and carrying on is they've taken the promises of God out of it and the Spirit of God, that, therefore now they're hopeless. Complaining people are hopeless. And complaints come from fear. If you're a complainer, well, I'm just giving my opinion. Your opinion kept, the opinions of 10 kept millions out of the promised land for 40 years. Be careful what, your, what somebody's opinion you hear. What does the Word of God say? People ask my opinion. Well, I don't know. My opinion ain't, you know, $2 and you get my opinion $2, you get a cup of coffee. But I tell you what the Bible says. Now, I tell the story. I walked in the office and two secretaries and, and somebody else was arguing about the, the Bible. And I'm like, what do you think? I said, what I think don't matter. I mean, and how many people y'all went to Jesus arguing the Bible in here that walked through the door? Don't argue the Bible. Know what you believe and believe it. And you need to grab the promises and start changing your life. And so, so, so fear will always, listen to this, fear will always attract whatever information is needed to legitimize its existence. There's an old saying that if you get on the interstate, you start looking for a yellow car, you're going to see yellow cars everywhere. Look, there's one, there's one, there's one. But if you're in fear, you're going to go, uh-huh, see there, see there. Look, oh, look here. Listen to the news. I heard on my news. It's all coming to the end. We ain't going to make it. Well, I'm going to live forever. I, I don't know about you not going to make it. This life is, and it's over anyway, excuse me for spitting, but our life is but here, it's but a vapor, and you're gone. And we cling to this life like it's the only thing, but we have eternity. The Word of God teaches that we're going to live forever. He's the bread of life. We just read that. Do you really believe that? See, you haven't studied it out. You haven't recognized that you're going to live forever. Are you going to live forever in heaven, or are you going to live forever in hell is the main question. But, but there are promises, promises to obtain in this life. And there are things that you can do to be blessed in this life and to reach people. Now, I have on the pulpit up here, are you a sender or are you a laborer? Not everybody can go to, to, to uh, Timbuktu and preach the gospel. 
but you can help send somebody. You a sender or you a laborer? I'm about that. That's my reminder up here. Are you a sender or are you a laborer? Are you? I'm asking you. Are you a sender? Who are you sending? Are you a laborer? Where do you want to go? I just feel like God wants me to go to Taiwan. Well, let's start praying about it. What are you preparing? The Word says you got to prepare. I had a man tell me, I, I, I feel like I'm somebody's going to call me and I'm going to go to Africa. And I'm like, where are you teaching now? Where are you preaching now? I'm not. I'm just, when they tell, call me, I'm going to be ready. It's just going to happen. It don't happen. That fork don't pick itself up and put it in your mouth. And being a preacher or a teacher of the word just don't happen. You got to study. You got to step out. All kinds of places. Street corner, Walmart. Retirement home. Back in the day, we called it old folks' home. That's probably not politically correct anymore, so I have to stop and think, what is it called now? Retirement home. Homeless shelter. There's all kinds of places to preach. There's all kinds of places to witness. And we are called to make disciples. All kinds of places. So fear will always attract whatever information is needed to legitimize its existence. And complaining functions out of fear. Quit complaining. Quit being a griper. Quit being a complainer. Get out of the seat of the scornful. Psalms 1. Quote him sits in the seat of the scornful. No, we want to be the tree planted by the rivers of living water that brings forth fruit in the season. We want to be that tree planted right by the water and our leaves does not wither. And the, we produce fruit to change people's lives. Come on, when you, when you tap into Jesus, when you start tapping in the Word, your life begins to change and you begin to bear fruit. You become likable. I'm just saying. You, you, you become lovable because you are loving and you do like people. You become like Jesus. Jesus liked people. He saw past their problems. Jesus sees past your problems today. Did you know that? He sees past your problems and he sees you and he loves you. And that's our part is to see past people's problems and see the person. That's what the Word of God teaches, that we should be like Jesus as He is. John, I've been reading 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John over and over and over. As He is, so are we in this life. I can't be like Jesus. Yes, you can. The more of His Word you get in you, you become like Him. And you become loving and likable. And people, you know, there's certain people you just like hanging around. You know why? Because they're believers. And so we got to be those people. You want friends, then you got to be friendly. You want love, you got to be loving. Mm, I'm going to be quiet. So here we're going to end this, this. Whose report will you believe? Hmm? Whose report? Man, some of you are going through some rough stuff. And that's true. But this is a greater truth. Can you hear Miss Shirley talking right now? 
It may be true that you're going through something, but this is a greater truth that God wants to take you out of it, that God wants to help you, and that God's made a better way, that God cares about you enough not to leave you in your situation. Jesus came to set you free. Because here's the thing, if you're in problems, if you're swamped and over your head, you can't save anybody. But God wants you able up on top of the water and say, come on, swim with me, follow me. Take people to the bank. Or, or let me do what, what Proverbs said, to pull somebody out of the muck and the mire of sin and a horrible life and set them upon the rock, Jesus. That's ultimately why we studied the Word is that we want to change and we want to help pull other people up with us. I say it all the time. We need to have somebody's hand that's up above us and we need to be grabbing somebody else and pulling them up and they're pulling us up. You ought to have people in your life that are pouring into you godly things, godly wisdom, giving you scriptures, what to stand on, prophesying to you, and you need to be reaching somebody else. Everybody you work with, you need to be telling them about Jesus. And God will send you to a workplace just to lead people to Jesus. And how are you going to win people to Jesus? You outwork everybody in there, and they're going to know, man, what is up with you? And you're going to, you know, how many bosses I've talked to about Jesus? Because they were like, man, because I outworked them. And then they want to hear what I got to say. Because I'm not working for them anyway. I'm working for Jesus. That's the whole thing. Everything we do in this life, it needs to be for the Lord, whether you're bottling whatever, Gatorade or building a truck or a car or working and driving a nail, you're doing it for the Lord. And God sees. So, there's a world report, there's God's report. We have got to believe the report of the Lord. Amen? Bow your heads this morning. Let me start by this, saying that if you don't know Jesus, if you've never truly believed in Him, called on His name, today's the day. Will you call on his name? Will you say, you know, Pastor, I, I've really never, never really called upon the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 10 that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And you have never called on the Lord today. Will you lift your hand? Let me pray with you. Just lift your hand. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I've never prayed that. But then again... There's others that, you know, they just, things happen and you just fall away. You get busy or you get hurt and you don't feel close to God anymore. If that's you, God wants you to come back. Been looking for you, waiting on you. If that's you, you lift your hand, let me pray with you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Glory be. I see your hand. God loves you. Listen. Altar call doesn't have to be just in church. It can be over here against the wall with the ladies. It can be in the lobby. It can be on this side over here with a prayer team over there. Let's all pray this together. Say, Father, I believe 
that Jesus is the Son of God. Thank you, Lord, for dying for me. Make yourself real to me like never before. Let the love of God consume me in a greater measure. Show me what to do with my life. Teach me your word. Holy Spirit, help me as I study. In Jesus' name, amen.